speaking of the suit, the yep. suit has gone through a number of iterations. Eventually, they added in a cooling system for it. Would have been nice if they'd given you that to start with. Well, they didn't think, because Star Wars was, uh, or a new hope, shall I call it. Um, <laughs> got to stay on brand. Yeah, stay on brand. <laughs> we are now corporate folks. Um, it was a B-movie. Therefore, had a limited, limited budget. And a, wa- and a Wookiee suit was the least of their warriors. <laughs> if they could get some idiot to go in and wear it without putting a cooling suit in, cooling uh, system in, they would find out. But over the period of time, over the years, the cooling suit was added. Otherwise, it was a big fan um, in, re- in the uh, green area of the studios. Two big fans under the suit, take the head off, blast cold air or as cold as you could, as it was available, and you just oh yeah, within five minutes you were you were you were reasonably cool. But it was only on it was only on seven and three that they actually found a way of doing um, a cooling suit which, which pumped water around the suit in tubes. So that when you came off, I had a jacket with uh, a double tube in and it was hooked up to an ice bucket with a motor in and cold water. So it pumped turn the motor on, the cold water would go through you, but uh, around your body, cooling it down rapidly. That's how they got over that. None of your space techniques, but it worked. You know, it was easy to do, and easy to get in and out of. So, yeah. But the costume itself has changed so, so rapidly. Um, we were right up till we did Jedi, uh, we did Star Wars, New Hope, Empire, and Jedi on two suits, two identical suits, which were hand knitted and hand <coughs> hand sewn. All the yak hair was sewn into the into the mohair suit. Did they give you an impression of how many yaks they had to shave for that? I don't know, but there's a hell of a lot of bald, bald, bald animals in Texas. <laughs> um, I don't know. He came in by the bail, so <laughs> they took it. So that I know. I think there was about twenty people actually making that suit, doing the doing the hair, because yak hair, belly yak hair, is about eighteen inches long, and it's ideal to hang. It's like hair that hangs. If you get it long enough, it'll hang straight, and that's what they needed for this particular particular suit. And the the mask of the headset was uh, totally different because you had a like a snood with yak hair through it, and it opened up, and it was attached to the face mask of my own face, so you didn't need a back backing on it, <coughs> and it just slid on, did up with some velcro uh, top uh, on the on the head. And at the neck, and then popped the pop the poppers and combed it out, and you could couldn't see the joint. So, well, 
we are there and one morning on Empire on Stowers, the person in charge had taken it home to get it to do some re reconstruction work on it and I had left it on the kitchen table. <coughs> it arrives at the studios thinking it's in the back of his car. No. So we had to do a very smart turnaround and persuade George to change the scenes while Chewy, while the head was rushed from the house back to the <laughs> studios. He never found out. So that was good. That was, that was excellent. So, yeah, there's various stories. When you came back in episode three, you came back to the franchise before Harrison, before Carrie, uh, before uh, uh, somebody else who maybe shows up uh, in episode seven. I don't know if anybody's not seen it in this room. I would lay a heavy bet that everyone has. Uh, coming back in episode three, wh what were some of the changes that you experienced, particularly with the suit? The suit, as I say, the, the cooling suit was there. Basically, it was the same suit. Um, and we had uh, Tafel, who was the other rookie. Your mentee, your apprentice. Yes. And we had to, those little scenes that we did was Yoda escaping in the, in the pod. So we had to get him out, put him in a pod and send him off. And we're, George actually came down and organized it. Instead of the word action, George would shout through a microphone, Wookiees! <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was our signal for, for action. So we run down, look, watch the, watch the council chamber, which was CTR'd, and all you had was um, light stands with tennis balls on them, which had faces. So you could spot whoever you were, emperor or one of the councillors, and you concentrated on those. So it gave you a line of, so you could come back every time to that same line, and it would be in the same camera, in the same camera region. But the best bit of that was we look and we've got to meet Yoda. Uh, yeah, Yoda. And pick him up and take him to the, to the uh, escape pod. So we're looking down camera uh, thing and on the floor, halfway down the run, was a burlap sack with a piece of rope onto it. That was supposed to be, be remember, it's CGI. <laughs> that was Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> so we run him down, and I was reasonably fit in those days. Um, so George said, right, see that bird outside? Pick it up, fling it over his shoulders. Okay. That slight bend, picked it up, went over my shoulders. When we saw the finished product, that was Yoda flying through the air <laughs> and landing on my shoulders. So it was really, really interesting to see how it was done. 
Yeah. Being a novice, well, not a novice at those days, in those days, but when we first started, I didn't even know what it, the front end or the back end of a camera. You know, <laughs> it was, oh yeah, you put film in there and it comes through. Yeah, it's crazy. There are a lot of people here who grew up with you and, and grew up Chewbacca fans. What did you grow up a fan of? Were you a particular cinephile? Were you into books? What, what, was, I, what was Peter's obsession? I enjoyed some of the black and white films over the 50s. Um, Alec Guinness, Peter Cushing, all the good actors that can change from theatre to movies to television. I'm working with two of the greatest. One was, uh, one was Alec Guinness and the other was Peter Cushing. I've yet... Um, hang on. That's right. And even when we were doing three... Um, oh, Kanduku. They, uh, oh, uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah, we're in Australia. I'm getting a haircut. Um, there's a knock on the door. I went, come in. <laughs> His head pops around. And it's Christopher Lee. <laughs> <laughs> he says, hello, my name is Christopher Lee. I think you have more time on screen than I do. <laughs> so we exchanged pleasantries. He went his way. I got a haircut. <laughs> so and we're doing a Vanity Fair five pager. And Chris turned up with his wife, immaculate, just like Count Duco. And He's there, you know, everybody's regarding him as a wonderful person, which he is, he's a fabulous guy. And we learn later on that he is an actual count. He has a estate in southern Italy. Hmm. So moving to Hollywood didn't really phase him. <laughs> he enjoyed it and he could always go back to where his, his uh, kingdom was, and <laughs> just enjoy things. But now, when you're working with those kind of people, they are so nice, and they know what they, they know what they want to do. They know how to do it. And I'm, I'm glad to say that Harrison is going to be one of those people because. He's a, he's a brilliant actor, he's a good director, he knows stories and reads everything that he is considered, he considers to do as a, as a, uh, a movie project. That's why indie is now being planned, another indie film. How did the two of you kill time? in that cockpit between takes. A lot of people love mythologizing the making of the movies of, oh, what an experience, but it's a whole lot of waiting. Yeah. How, how'd you fill the time? We have hamburgers and milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will see down, down, below, down below the um, console, there's a little hole. There's two, two little holes. One's got milkshakes in, the other's got... got uh, <laughs> 
I lied. I was mad. <laughs> Not the way. But no, we, we talked we talked to each other and you learn how to because remember, Chewie is a mind character. Therefore you have to learn say you've got four people. You've got Harrison, myself, Mark and Kerry. <coughs> and you've got to look being you can't stand out doing nothing. So you have to learn the last words from everybody's speeches so that you can relate to them either with a growl or a flick of the eyes because they're my own eyes. There's no contacts, no nothing. So you can use a lot of good information whichever way you're, you know, you build a character. You build a character from a, from a suit, and who was it? It was an English actor that said, "I build my character from my shoes upwards. How do you stand in shoes? How do you wear trousers? How do you wear a jacket? That all creates a character." So it's we learned, you know, we talked about things, and usually. Um, there was a, it was shorter, uh, the gap was short, short enough not to worry about getting into deep conversations. That will, you could do that whenever changing sets or doing lighting or whatever it is. And we had a, we've still got a good relationship with, I, I've got a good relationship with all, all three of them, both Mark, Harrison and Kay. And we see them at, Celebration, which was three weeks ago, they they, they were here. Uh, hang on, now they're in London. God, what am I thinking? <laughs> you have that many transatlantic flights, it bleeds exactly. together. Exactly, and we're going, <laughs> and we're going back to back next next couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's remarkable that all the advantage miles that you get, <laughs> you go from. You go from economy up to first class, and <laughs> having a status symbol, it works. You know, it's, it's a great fun to do, but considering it's been, what, 30 odd years, I think, you know, some good has got to come out of us, so you might as well enjoy it. One of the things that, uh, that I don't feel like uh, gets, gets cheerle cheerleaded enough is the, the different personality to the original three films, which each had a different director. Yes. Yeah, George did the first one purely because it was his baby. And he would, he was a writer and a technician. So he would write things down the way he wanted, the way he would speak it. And I'll give you an example. We're in the cockpit and we're just going to get ready for hyperspace. And Harrison got this line and he tried it twice, three times. Couldn't get it. So he, George is where you are. This is the cockpit. He leans over, he says, hey George, what if I say this and this and this? So it's the same thing. But you write so much comedy goop. <laughs> I'm gonna try it and do it this way. Mm, okay. Do let him do it. 
and we've got it in one take. It was remarkable how you change a few words, it still means the same thing, but if you're an actor who's happy doing that, I think you get a better performance out of it. Oh, that's it. How did the dynamic change working with Irvin Kirshner on Empire Strikes Back? Empire? God, that was fun. Um, if you like to be cold, because Hoth location was no middle of Norway. It was, a, it was a cross country ski resort. Minus 15 to minus 20, 30 feet of snow. And the only reason, as I say, the only reason this was up there was it was a cross-country ski resort with a railway and a hotel. It was like a western town in snow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, at least you had the suit. And I was tall enough I wouldn't fall into the crevasses that were <laughs> under me. So you fall in your waist and everybody's like, yeah. oh, he's Well, what they did, we had an army of equipment up there. We had snow cats with the big uh, caterpillar tractors. We had everything that we needed for a film unit. Because when you're about 100 miles away from the nearest town, you can't blow a fuse and go, to, go into a Walmart or anywhere else like that and try and get one. So everything had to be shipped in. And what they did, they took ski poles, 20-foot ski poles, and they planned out where the hardness, where the solid snow was, because it was freezing, so that you could drive the, the snow cats and the skidoos Along those, right, along those, in between the two, um, what's names, in between the two poles, that was a secure, solid, concrete, ice walk. I never did it. I always got, I always got a lift. In, so <laughs> if you're going up and set, I will lift up. <laughs> and that leads nicely to the, we're up there. And we're doing the pro-droid shoot where Han and Chewie are out looking for Mark and they come across a pro-droid. We're up there, nice, everything's, we've got ski, ski clothes on. George comes along and he goes, hmm, you two looks too smart. <laughs> Get them jackets off and roll in the snow. <laughs> We both went, no, George, I don't want to. <laughs> Do it. So we rolled in the snow, and if you come past the table, I've got a picture of Chewie with the wind, snow, snow blown uh, hair across. So we rolled in the snow, and Probedroid came up, we got the shots, went back, and we had a like a cantina up there so that you could get out the cold. It was heated to about one or two degrees. <laughs> now, Positively no, don't spoil the story, please. <laughs> um, we get back and get cold. Yeah, you, you finished, you can go back and change. Go, on, go back to the hut and the dresser took 
and uh, I'd already got rid of the, uh, the mask and he undid the back because the suit has a zip right down the back from spine to neck. So he undoes it. I ease it off because it's like a pair of gloves that they cut the fingers off. So you pull it out. And anybody trying to take a pair of gloves off that are soaking wet, don't work. Anyway, <laughs> cut long story short, got it off. And a few hours later. <laughs> no, half an hour later. Half an hour. And it hit the deck. It was a wooden deck. It hit the deck like a load of washing coming out of a washing machine. <laughs> it looked like a drowned cat. <laughs> Fortunately, I had taken other warm clothes up there and I tried to lift it. It must have weighed 20 pounds. This solid mass of wool and mohair. I thought, Thank God I ain't gonna wear that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but and then we came back to England and finished off Empire and went on to Jeddah. Now going forward, you uh, you ended up working with a couple of directors here on on uh, these last two movies. Yes. How would you how'd you characterize the the personality of J.J. Abrams? What was what was he like to to meet, to work with, to interact with? Well, we had a little mental problem. I'm not going into that, but we explained it to him, and he said, right, what I'm going to do is let you do as much as you can, and then we'll find a substitute for certain things. I'm not going to say what, because... Movie I don't, magic. I don't, it's magic, it's magic. And so... But J.J. is like George. He's a true Star Wars fan. He knows what he wants. And he was working with the old cameras, the old dollies, and some of the old cameramen. So it was CGI, minimal, practical, practical stuff. Shot on film. Yeah. Shot on film, and they found because the original Falcon was taken to pieces. So they found the blueprints in an office. Someone had them, and they were in a, an office drawer. They found them, they looked at them, realized what they were, and took, took them to the took them to Pinewood and literally rebuilt it inch for inch. There was even, the details on these drawings were this piece of wood is a downward strut. It's an inch and a half by a quarter inch and a quarter by 38 inches long. It's there. All you've got to do is cut it out of a block and put it in. Even the screws and nails were specific, were a specific thing. So it took maybe 20, 20 people to build it. And they had to build it, they had to move it four times. <laughs> so it's, 
We were talking to one constructor. Oh, was the hyperdrive enabled or? <laughs> no, we were fitting machine guns and cluster bombs. <laughs> so, yeah, it was great and it looked like the original set. As you walked into it, you, there was a smell of old sets. You know how the panels in the in the common area were brown in colour, and some were grey, some were brown, and leather had been leather had been um, treated, aged and aged and treated, so that it looked like the original scene. Just been sitting around for yeah, 30 years. Yeah, just been around for 40 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to pay the storage on it, but, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, it's, it was in, an interesting situation. Back in March in Alcon, I had the, measure, I mean, the pleasure of meeting with Paul Blake, the actor who played Greedo. Yeah. And he vouched for what you just said, I want to treat Star Wars like a B-movie, and no one ever anticipated how popular or big it would be. Despite his five or few minutes on scene in the cantina, he loves his role as green all the attention it gave him. Have you ever been afraid that since Star Wars became such a big hit that you were typecast as that one Wookiee character and not in your uh, whole repertoire of film experience? Let's face it, that is my experience <laughs> of <laughs> film experiences. And you ask any actor whether they would like to do that particular character or whether they were capable of doing it. I, you know, when we were talking to people, talking to other actors, while we were filming, it, even while we were filming, it had a reputation that any actor that got on Star Wars was, was going to be A, popular, and B, reasonably well paid. I hope that answers your question. It does. Next question, over here on the far side. Uh, we know that uh, the dialogue from Chewbacca has been censored out with <laughs> What's Well, you don't speak Wookiee, obviously. Well, no, you don't. <laughs> but we also know that there is real dialogue that you've spoken before that was taken out. What's your favorite bit of dialogue from the three core films? Oh, Mickey's watching. If you, if you can, no. from the um, I'm going to answer that by saying, if you can remember what you were doing 20 years ago, <laughs> I will answer that. <laughs> Apart from that, I can't even remember what I was doing yesterday. Yes, I can remember is, I don't know, maybe I was playing Dungeons and Dragons or something. Right. Oh. So I, I was curious to know, I know you've written some children's books. I'm yes. curious to know what got you down that path. What, what kind of led well, you towards writing those books? There was a young lady who... Um, we, would, we work with the 501st. They're a charity organization. They're upstairs, over there. And across she, the way. Across the way. She had a, I forget whether it was cancer or she had a disease that was going to kill her. And we thought about this because um, Lucasfilm had a droid 
that was pink. It was a little girl. R2 Katie. That was Katie. We, you know, and knowing a lot of little people. Kenny Baker, all the, all the Rustikoff is another one. And we thought, well, we've got the same problems, but in reverse. Therefore, if we can produce a book that shows the differences between my size and Kenny's size, people are going to look at it and they are going to teach their children the differences, what goes on, what problems they have. And not only is it um, Kate, you know, the, the uh, my favourite giant, which is Katie with Chewy. The other one, um, I can't remember the name, but it goes to, we go to Africa and we see all the big elephants and the rhinos and the hippos and the birds that work, in, work together to guard each other. We've got a picture in the book, there's a picture of a rhinoceros with two birds on the top of its on the on its horns, the rhino keeps all the other people, all the stuff away from the bird, uh, the uh, the area. The birds go and spot where everything is, and they also keep the rhino fresh and smooth without having a shower. <laughs> so it works both ways, and they are good books. Um, they're fully illustrated. Available now? Uh, <laughs> All right, I said they're available now. Well, yeah. the Wookie Roars website, and we've got we've got them at home, so if you want to buy them, look on the website, and they will be there. Um, it may take us a little while to get them out. Oh, so the shipping department has a note for us? No. Growing up giant is the other one. Yeah. So, yeah, everything... As I say, that was a thought, but now that uh, it was just something that we wanted to do and make sure that everything, um, because the 501st Collect for Charity, the Wookie Roars is also a foundation that anybody that needs money or needs help around the sci-fi or 501st um, organization. They apply to us because the 501st cannot give away money like that. It has to come through a foundation to be granted. We look at things and we give away, you know, if, if say for example, you need something for your kids or your accommodation or you've got to say you're away from home and say your parent or one of your parents is dead or is dying the airfare will be covered one way so you know it's a good thing we do in our charitable bit and it's well we look up we look after our own Chewbacca keeps watching out for everybody. Yeah. More questions? He always has so.
Anybody have questions? Else? I have more questions. You got hold on. Oh, you hold, hold on. on. I'm going to go with this guy. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, I've heard that you live in Texas. I was just curious, being from England. What, uh, what drew you to Texas? I married a Texan. <laughs> okay, can I say, Peter? Good choice. Good choice, yep. And also, she is a toy dealer. So, I, she, when we first met, um, we were at a convention in Vegas. No, not Vegas. Albuquerque. And, we, you know, being a star, or a so-called star, um, we got together and that sort of thing, and someone said, oh, you're a toy dealer, you're going to walk away with the biggest animated toy in the business. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yep, eat mine. I think eat my home, boss. <laughs> so, yeah, and we've been, out, we've been married 14, 15 years. And it was the first thing I ever did, uh, get out of England. <laughs> I'm not even going to comment on what's going on over not there. It. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's not in my syllabus to talk about politics and things that are going on. Well, that's a fresh switch. Most of the time for celebrity, they think everybody has to know what they're thinking. That's how you have to think. So that's pleasant hearing that. You know, you're a celebrity and it's... You know, yeah, you but, your I, but when you say I'm a celebrity, I still put my pants on the same way. If you <laughs> yeah. I still eat. Yeah. I still carry on. Yeah. I have still the same emotions, and yeah. you know, if you don't like it, there's a door. Yeah. <laughs> As a follow-up to that, uh, is there something that you that you particularly have? Have enjoyed about living in Texas. I'm a I'm a born and bred Texan myself, and I, I always like hearing what our what our transplants like about our state. I state. like where we are. It's country, very much country. We've got a little bit of land with house, and it's well away from any major roads, so you don't get traffic. It's 20 minutes to the nearest village, but we only go in twice a week. One, one's on the Monday to take the empties back, and then on third, on Friday we go to Walmart. Spend all the fortune, take it home, eat it during the weekend, and start again. So, I love, I love Texas. It's green, it's hot, and it's wet. You know, I think this year we've had more rain where we are than, well, more rivers uh, because we're on the uh, Brazos River area and the river has been coming up and up as, as the rain comes down and down and then it goes down again back to normal. Yeah. It's great. So quiet. It really is. I always remember coming in to do a show, I believe this show, not this show, but the, the one in Plano, mm -hmm. and picked up in the airport, and we're driving around, we're driving home, and I see some cows. I said to Angie, my wife, you take the front, I'll get the back. Meals on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> 
so much agreed in those days. I know you've got to experience it and it all take it takes a little time to get it into your system to slow down. Uh, because now these days most of our time, half our time is spent on the road. You know, we do two shows a two shows a month, can be anywhere in the world. So you appreciate the quietness and the greenery and everything else that, so that when you come home, you can take the phone off the hook and unplug your computer until you're ready to face the World Cup. Because usually it's one day out, two day, three days show, one day back. So that's five days, that's a week. <laughs> yes, as I say, it's there, but I wouldn't do anything else. We've got time for a couple more. Yeah, right here. Uh, two things. How heavy was your your uh, Chewbacca costume? And the best part of the costume, which is really your costume, were your eyes, because he's so expressive. Mm -hmm. His eyes alone. The costume might probably weigh twenty pounds. Okay. It was wool. Imagine a big lump of wool. Yeah. Um, the 20 pounds of weight that was constantly moving with you. Yes, yes. Yeah. But it's flexible. Mm -hmm. um, and what was the other one? And the other part was just your eyes. They were your own, but it was just yeah. so expressive. That was all you could see were your eyes. It was just so expressive. How did, how did, you, how did you learn yeah. to, to peer out through that, that suit that, that wasn't very forgiving for actually expressing facial expressions? It's one of those things you learn. We had a master that did the face cast. The face cast was of my own face, and he said, don't worry about it. Normally, if you do a face cast, you either, keep, you either close your eyes or keep them open, it depends. He said, you can close your eyes because I'm going to cut them out with a, with a dremel and fit them because I've got long lashes on the bottom as well as the top and I will fit it so that the lashes come out and it covers the cutout. Therefore, when they, when they put the hair on, they take it from the in, inside outwards so that it joins up with the eyelashes. Therefore, it looks perfectly natural. Yeah. With a little bit of makeup on the top of the eyelid, you know, it's there. Yeah. So, and then we, you know, you come to the actual mask, which is, it's a polystyrene base, it's about that thick. And what they've done, to get it right, they have taken, they split it along the jawline. They take me a set of a set of dentures and a tongue. Assemble those, put those into that hole with pivots here, so that as you open it and close it, it moves. But the clever part is they've got springs on those bolts. The 
go through. Therefore, it's, it, it springs open. But in the lips, which are latex, you have magnets. But those magnets are reversed. Instead of drawing together, they push it open, which counterbalances the springs, which makes chew, which you never ever see Chewy with his mouth completely closed. In none of the photos. Yeah. And the tongue is a looks like a popsicle. <laughs> and it's, but it's got a tag on the back of it that I can use. I can hit it with my tongue, and it and it and it works. It's all basic. Yeah. it was made by a, a guy that did Roddy McDowell's Planet of the Apes make. Probably the best. He's dead now, but probably the best makeup person and um, special effects person. Was it Baker? Huh? Was it Baker? No, this was Stuart Freeborn. Best guy I've ever. He looks like Yoda. <laughs> I kid you not. When Yoda, when Mark, we were doing Empire, and this little character had to come up. George walked up to the special effects makeup part of the studios to talk to Stuart, and he said, "Right, I need a character." Stuart said, "How? What, uh, what do you want?" There happened to be a mirror there. <laughs> he said, look in the mirror. Add two, add some rabbit ears to it. And that is what I want. And it was Stuart's face, <laughs> all real wrinkly. And he was a tiny little old man. He was no bigger than about five foot four. Wow. But what a master, what a great man. And he'd been in two ways about that. Got one more over here, and then I've got one to close this out. Okay. Fox has been a fan favorite from the beginning, but you know he didn't get a medal. He's always been kind of a side character in J.J. Abrams. He's gotten more of a sense. What was it like first meeting Peter and Angie? Because you meet you meet Peter Mayhew, yes, but you meet Peter and Angie as a team, uh, no matter who you are. What, what was it like meeting them at first and and being brought into the fold as the as the new guy in the first suit? Well, it was amazing because uh, I was introduced to Peter on the day that I met, uh, wait, no, it wasn't. It was a couple of days before I met Harrison Ford. But Peter and Angie, I met, uh, I came in to, the, to, the, to Peter's trailer and I thanked Peter for creating one of the uh, most loved, loved characters in, in, the, in the film uh, history. And uh, I remember that. And yeah, he was... Very, he, he told me, I believe he told me, I'm too skinny to be a Wookiee. Uh, <laughs> in his, <laughs> in his uh, uh, cut to the chase kind of way. And uh, I, yeah, I just, I just immediately uh, liked Peter. And uh, Angie is just, they're, they're just the, the, the force, force of nature, both of them together, uh, just helped me tremendously to get my start uh, in playing Chewbacca. Now, you... Did you have any sort of long, uh, long-running desire to be an actor, to be a performer in front of the camera? Was this something that you really wanted to do from from an early age? I mean, I always wanted to do it. Uh, I wanted to. 
you know, combined basketball, which I was born to do, apparently, because... <laughs> That's what everyone's been telling you for I a always, long time. I always felt bad whenever I felt like... Uh, I had days when I didn't feel like playing or something like that. And I always felt bad because I knew that I was supposed to do something where I could utilize my height. And uh, so I played basketball, and, uh, but it was in my confirmation camp. Uh, I, I went to this uh, week-long camp uh, as part of my, uh, when I was 14. Uh, and there we had these little skits, sketches with, with uh, like little uh, plays. We did every night, I remember. And... Uh, for some reason, I, got, I was able to get people to laugh at my uh, performances. Uh, or, yeah, and, and I never had that feeling before. And I felt like I really want to do this. And when I went to high school, uh, I uh, immediately sought out the drama classes. And uh, there was one. There was one drama class in my high school. I took that one. <laughs> and uh, we did a play. And uh, the reaction from people was surprisingly good. Some people said I... Uh, I, I, I made them laugh and that I saved the play. I thought the play was good regardless, but, but they, they, they really liked it. So I always wanted to become an actor. So when I went to Penn State to uh, uh, play basketball uh, with a scholarship, I went to the acting department and they told me, get out of here, you're too tall, you can't get any roles. But look at me now. <laughs> look at me now. <laughs> it's a crazy thing. I mean, I, I have a background as an actor myself, and I, I got a lot of the same kinds of things said to me for very different reasons, as you can tell. I'm not remotely as tall as he is. But it, it's, it, it's, it, it's something that really does a lot to your self-confidence, to be told, oh, I'm sorry, you're, you know, you're just disqualified. You're not allowed to do this. Is that something that, that made you double down and say, no, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to see who's right. I'm going to show you. Even though I was defiant uh, in the face of that uh, <laughs> rejection, I was still thinking in the back of my head, uh, he's they're probably right. I probably won't be able to find any, but I will still keep this in the back of my pocket, you know, uh, as a you know, tool. I will do anything that I can to, you know, improve my, uh, <laughs> my acting abilities, like crying on the spot, like, you know, those tools. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was—I always knew that if an opportunity came, I would try and uh, and uh, see. So, so what ended up happening is was we were in a in a basketball tournament once again. Who knew? And uh, in Turkey, and uh, I one night I realized that my teammates, everyone has one characteristic in their playing style or in their running style or walking style. So I created this little performance for my teammates imitating each and every one of them because like there were some crazy ways to uh, I didn't know that you can catch a ball by holding your thumbs like this. <laughs> and one of our teammates did that and I, I made a performance out of all these little things and uh, that was another point where I thought that wow I could really love this. I could love portraying a character, you know, who does funny, you know, moves in a funny way, like, <laughs> like Chewbacca does. Like, I mean, it's for some way, in some way, it's felt like I, I've landed in my, uh, in my, uh, in a job that was meant to be, you know, because I can, I can do something that's uh, very, you know, different from what I do. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and try to, you know, touch people's hearts with, with that performance. And uh, it just happens to be 
one of the most memorable characters in movie history. So I, yeah, I, no I pressure, mean, no pressure. Got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> Going back to childhood, I mean, were were you a Star Wars kid? Were you a big fan of Star Wars? Always. I I, I was uh, watching with my mouth wide open. You know, watching the the scenes and. Uh, of Chewbacca walking a space corridor and uh, and uh, Luke eating the blue milk and all those things I was watching, they were re- so real because they were real uh, real props and everything was was so awesome, and uh, yeah, my dad really really uh, uh, drew, drew, uh, drove the point home that Indiana Jones and Star Wars were the two best movie <laughs> series ever made and. Uh, yeah, I watched those religiously, I think. You were groomed from an early age. Yeah, 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 own. exactly. And I was so jealous of my, my childhood friend because one Christmas he got, he got a Millennium Falcon and all the characters, and uh, I was so jealous because I didn't have those. Now, here, here's yeah. probably the most controversial thing I'll ask you. Guys. Actually, can I take a second? Oh, <laughs> Anybody have a Millennium Falcon they can give this young man? <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, it was it was it was a uh, childhood of Star Wars. We we played with the with the action figures in our. We had a we have very um, uh, a vibrant uh, apartment community. We had I lived in an apartment and we had lots of kids playing and we played in the sandbox, and uh, we had a had a yard that had a little hill and we used to run around and with with all the all our toys and uh, we had like this big car and I th- believe we. Uh, never mind. We didn't have the the hover, the sand thing, yeah. you know that Luke drives in in New Hope. But yeah, we we tried to make do, you know, with with what we had. Did you find yourselves playing as different characters in the movies, each each of the kids, or were you mostly playing with toys? I was the youngest uh, sibling, so I got whatever toy my big brothers let me have. Who, Usually the who, who the one with the lamest, you know, outfit. Yeah. Was. Here's, here's give the it, alien guy who's in one shot for yeah, three seconds. Yeah, give that to Jonas, and I treasured those little. Uh, little guys who didn't. I remember I had this uh, um, d- d- sub, sub uh, diver. What do you call that? Like a, uh, uh, a this action force figure, GI oh. Joe, yeah. GI Joe, who had like a diving suit on, like a wetsuit on, and uh, that's the one I got. I know the one. The rest that of the I, I, rest I know, of the GI Joes had I, like I helmets had and. I had that one. I yeah. had that one, but I don't remember his name. Yeah, nobody does because he's so <laughs> meaningless. <laughs> Deep Six. Deep Six? Or Torpedo. All right, votes for Deep Six. But no. Bless my <laughs> life. I've landed and I have, I have my childhood. Google, I, I can Google my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, probably the most uh, controversial thing that I'll ask you to answer. Of those original trilogy no. movies. No. What, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> of those original trilogy movies, did you have a favorite? Star Wars, Empire, Return of the Jedi? I, d- I don't. I probably as a child I didn't, but they later just, they all run together. Right? Later, yeah, later I've I've grown to love Empire Strikes Back a lot because uh, because it's so it's so you know uh, sad and and great, uh, bigger, larger than life is what I think Star Wars was for me. Uh, is that it was so big and Empire just fits the bill because it's uh, it, it's got all those things and the killer twist in the end. But uh, yeah, lately we've been making some good Star Wars movies ourselves. Yeah, one, so or two. It's, uh, one or two. <laughs> so it's it's a tough competition, and uh, I couldn't be happier that we're that uh, that I get to be a part of these things. Now, something that that I've heard a lot of actors say is that working with different directors 
uh, being on a, a film set is, is kind of like going to camp. You're going away with a bunch of people and, and you do something and then a couple months later, everybody goes home. Um, but it's different depending on the director. There's a different kind of atmosphere, a different way that people operate. How would you, uh, what was it like, I guess if you could take us, take us through, you know, what, what it was like being away at camp with JJ uh, and kind of uh, sharing the role with Peter. Uh, what was it like working with uh, noted miscreant and, and terrible human being, Ryan Johnson? Uh, a friend of mine who I texted and said, hey, what should I ask Jonas? And he said, ask him about playing Chewbacca. I was like, thanks, man. That was, that was a big help. Uh, well, yeah, what, what, you know, what's it like working with him? What's it like working with Ron Howard? Uh, if you're allowed to say. Yeah, well, for, for the most part, it's uh, making films is... Is uh, is that which which it is work? Uh, so you, there isn't a whole lot of summer camp atmosphere when you're shooting a ten-hour day, and uh, you're in every shot, and uh, you do it ten to fifteen times every shot, and then you, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of sometimes it may feel like work. I never mean this after. You know, but I'm just like going back to the to shooting uh, realities. But J.J. Uh, Abrams. Uh, likes to create this, I think, this is my interpretation, he likes to create this all-welcoming kind of atmosphere where every person who works on that film is recognized. And whenever somebody had a birthday, even if it was the security guard or, you know, whatever, maybe not everybody, but uh, almost, that J.J. Would, would, you know, bring, bring, bring that person up and recognize their contribution to the film. It was, it's a great, uh, he's a great director, uh, both, you know, both uh, in that aspect and also, you know, to to have helmed the film. And Ryan, uh, I felt like when when I was working with Ryan Johnson, it felt like I was back in film school. And here's this uh, movie uh, geek who who's handed who's been handed the keys, and he he really made a film that was really surprising you know every you couldn't guess what's what's going to happen even if I, I read the script before we started filming and I still you know was surprised when I saw that thing you know in front of me visually and it's 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 a great thing and uh yeah to him it was more about the love for film and uh to to make a film that that would um give give the audience something that it, it wasn't expecting and uh, I thought he did a great job and Ron Howard uh, oh man, we was were... that intimidating? I mean, he's Ron Howard. JJ and Ryan are great. Don't get me wrong, but Ron Howard. Well, Ron Howard. You know. I, I don't know what what we what we've done to deserve this uh, these directors because Ron Howard is just the greatest guy. He's so likable and he really. Um, no, I mean he's been in your shoes much more than JJ or Ryan has. He he was a he was an actor. Exactly, exactly, and uh, also he he knows what it feels like to wear a suit. Because when he was shooting Grinch with uh, Jim Carrey, he, get this, he wore, he was voluntarily <laughs> decided to wear the Grinch suit, which is, I must imagine, very uncomfortable, for one day, just to feel, I don't know why he did this, but I, I figure it's to make Jim Carrey uh, happy or, <laughs> or something. But he was willing to wear this for one day, and he knew uh, when he was directing me, Playing, playing Chewbacca in a mask. He knew exactly what, what were the kind of things that I consider when I, you know, asked to uh, see the take. Because I often ask for the monitor to see the, how it looks on the screen because I can't 
quite, you can't quite guess what you look like when you have, you're covered in hair, and you could have a wad of hair sticking out of your shoulder, and that, you know, that makes you do a thing a certain way. If, if you, you, wanna, you wanna make it look good on screen, and uh, you do all these things, and you have to sometimes see feedback. So he knew exactly, and uh, as to the question, was there a summer camp atmosphere? Yes, there was. <laughs> there was a, it was so much fun. Uh, working with Ron because he just uh, he just likes to he's so good at acting he can imitate you uh, he was making fun of the screenwriter John Kasdan a lot and uh, he took it well I think <laughs> <laughs> but because yeah we all got there's so many personalities on on set and uh, yeah it started to feel like that definitely but um, but mostly we were there to to work and try to try to make this film and we were uh, we, it, it took some time, but we finally, I think, in a month's time, we're going to see yeah. just how uh, how awesome uh, uh, job everyone did. Yeah, and I, I feel like you know everybody knows that there, there was a director change on Solo. Uh, it's not something that I think uh, anybody you know wants to get into those kinds of things because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of okay, what are we doing now? But uh, from what you can tell us. You, you feel like, you know, Ron coming in and the team coming together, you guys ended up with something really special, really interesting that, that we haven't begun to see in the trailers? Yeah, I think it's going uh, to be a fun movie. This kind of adventure film where you can just throw away all your troubles and come see and come, come with us for the ride because it's, uh, you're going to see how Han and Chewbacca met each other and uh, Alden, who plays Han Solo, he did a great job in like trying to make that character his own and not thinking, oh, I'm stepping into the shoes of Harrison Ford. Because like me, stepping into the shoes of Chewbacca, I couldn't think of, compare myself, I can't compare myself to another actor because we have different dimensions, we are, we are different, two different people. So we just gotta make it work uh, as the script calls it. We gotta you know, live each scene and try to make that scene work. Uh, rather than you know try to you know worry about the fact oh I'm not I'm not uh, you know I'm not I don't I, I don't look look the same or something yeah. because we don't we Peter we have differences but uh, but you gotta you gotta like like Alden did he did a great job in uh, trying to in really trying to live that character uh, through the story and I, I think uh, I think he did a, a tremendous job. I, th I think again, you know, I'm, I was very careful in my preparation to make sure that I would be asking you stuff that you would actually be able to answer that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy wouldn't have snipers descend from the <laughs> ceiling and, uh, and, and shoot me for asking, but uh, aside from Alden, were, was there anybody else in particular in the cast who you got to work with that you really enjoyed working with on camera, in scene, that you get to do some fun stuff with? Well, there was, there was the cast was a was a this, give me, give me, <laughs> I don't know, the, the talent among that cast was just amazing. We had Woody Harrelson, who is just, the, I'm such a big fan, and he was amazing to work with because he's, he's like a little kid inside, you know? He uh, just likes to make, likes to, uh, you know, laugh and uh, have a good time, and it, it, was, it was fun. We were trading our uh, nastiest jokes uh, when we were filming. I can't tell them here. Children in the room, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Amelia, Amelia Clark was was such a mother of dragons. Uh, even on a Star Wars set, uh, 